0: Hey everyone. We have made it to the final chapter of the book of Acts. We're in chapter 28. We're glad you're here with us. Hey, if you have any questions while you're listening, hop over to our website. It's www.forthethirsty soul.com. And um There should be a drop-down menu at the top, and I believe there's a contact option, so you can reach us there with any questions, thoughts, feedback. We'd love to hear it. Thank you. So, let's get into chapter 28 and finish up our study of the book of Acts. Verses 1 and 2, and (laughs) 3. 1, 2, and (laughs) 3. When they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta, The natives showed us extraordinary kindness, for because of the rain that had set in, and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand.
1: After they landed, they found out they were in an island called Malta. Malta was a small island 60 miles south of Sicily. This was 600 miles west of Fair Havens. Remember, that's where they set out. The natives of the land were very kind to the people of the ship. Uh, the word here for natives is hoi barboi, uh, which can directly be translated into barbarians. But this probably simply meant that they could not speak Greek or were not Greek culture. They even began a fire for the group since there was no, since there was a lot of cold and rain. Um, To prevent the fire from going out, Paul gathered some firewood. Normal thing to do. And when he placed it on the fire, a viper or a snake came out of the bundle and bit Paul. Verses 4 through 6. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, Undoubtedly, this man is a murderer, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god.
0: The natives saw the whole scene. A poisonous snake had bitten Paul and was dangling from his hand. In other words, it had plenty of time to put its venom into Paul's system. The natives of the island, probably knowing there were prisoners among the crew, judged that Paul was a murderer and so would die justly. But Paul shook off the snake and into the fire, and there was no damage. The natives' suspicions were wrong. The natives were expecting him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but Paul stayed alive. So they instead began to think the complete opposite. Perhaps he is a god. This is exactly why we cannot base our thoughts on man. We're so easily swayed. We judge by appearances and end there. Verses 7 through 9. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island, named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. After this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured.
1: In the lands nearby, there was a man who was called Publius. He was probably a rich man and probably a leader among the people of Malta. He took care of them, the prisoners and everybody on the ships, for three days. While there, Paul, through the power of God, healed Publius's father, who had fever and dysentery. When the others from the island heard of this, they brought their disease to Paul for healing as well. The gift of healing seems to have been dissipated in that time, since this is the last time we read of Paul's healings. Uh, we see that Epaphroditus and Trophimus <coughs> were both ill in Paul's later writings, and Paul did not heal them. And we see this in Philippians 2:25 to 30, and Second Timothy 4:20, verses 10 and 11. They also honored us. With many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. At the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship, which had wintered at the island, and which had the twin brothers for its figurehead.
0: When they left, they were honored with marks of respect. Maybe that could mean badges or maybe tribal honors. We don't really know for sure. They were also given all that they needed for the continuation of the journey. After their time at sea and the time at Malta was three months, they set sail about mid-February or the March timeframe. They left with another Alexandrian ship, probably also taking grain to Rome from Egypt, but this ship had waited the winter in Malta. We don't know if all 276 passengers took this ship or if they are separated. Um, that's referring back to the last chapter where we saw that number on the boat. Luke even distinguishes the ship by mentioning the figurehead of the twin brothers. This was probably part of Greek mythology, the twin sons of Zeus and Leda. They are referred to in astronomy as Gemini and were considered in that time to be good luck, the protectors of men at sea. Their specific names were Castor and Pollux. Verses 12 through 14. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. From there, we sailed around and arrived at Regium. And a day later, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Purioli. <laughs> there we found some brethren, and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and thus we came to Rome.
1: We finally make it to Rome. They stayed at Syracuse for three days, went to Regium, which is... Reggio, on the toe of Italy, Uh, Puriello, which is today's Pozuelo, and they remained in Puriello for a week. There, Paul stayed with some fellow believers, and this is important. It shows us that the gospel had spread even this far to Italy, and they finally arrived to the vicinity of Rome. 15 and 16, the verses. And the brethren, when they heard about us, Came from there as far as the market of Appius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier
0: who was guarding him. Other brothers from different places and (laughs) different mothers, no, just kidding, heard of Paul's arrival and came from Rome to see Paul. Paul most probably took the Appian Way to get to Rome from Purioli, which is where these brethren came to see him. It was a 125-mile road. The market of Appius was a town about 40 miles away from Rome and on the Appian Way. Three inns is 30 miles away from Rome and also on the Appian Way. And These groups encouraged Paul and caused him to thank God for his faithfulness. Finally, they entered Rome, and while there, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with one soldier who guarded him. Paul's residence was a rented house, you see in verse 30. This was a privilege among prisoners, because there was no serious offense against his record. Okay, so what do we learn from this? We come to an interesting question. Why did Luke take so much effort to show us the detailed voyage of Paul to Rome? First, it was a true continuation of Paul's story for the spread of the gospel. Second, it showed God's sovereignty in Paul's life. God had a plan, and he completed it, despite many obstacles. Verses 17-20 through After three days, Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews, and when they came together, he began saying to them, Brethren, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, and when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you, for I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel.
1: While in Rome, Paul first went to the Jewish people. This was his norm. He mentioned why he was in Rome, but did it in a very wise way. He mentioned that he had done nothing against the customs of the Jewish people, yet he was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem. The Romans were going to let him go, but the Jews objected to that decision, so Paul had appealed to Caesar. He basically mentioned his innocence, without accusing the Jewish leadership of much of anything. He mentioned that he was innocent, and the Roman authorities thought the same. He said he did not have anything against the nation of Israel, He had been imprisoned because he held the hope of Israel. Now Paul felt he was imprisoned on behalf of Israel. So now he wanted to speak to the Jewish leadership about this hope. Israel's hope is only found in Jesus. He broke the chains of sin and death by fulfilling the law of the Old Testament, dying and then defeating death by resurrection. Verses 21 and 22. They said to him, We have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are for concerning this sect. It is known to us that it is spoken against us everywhere.
0: No one had mentioned anything about Paul from Jerusalem, so Paul himself was cleared. They had also heard of Christianity and how many spoke against it, but they specifically wanted to hear from Paul what the views of Christianity were. It seems like these leaders had not actually heard any real information about Christianity except a negative uh, connotation of it. Verses 23 to 24. When they had set a day for Paul, They came to him at his lodging in large numbers, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus, from both the law of Moses and from the prophets, from morning until evening. Some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe.
1: On a designated day, a large crowd came to Paul's house, so to speak, And he spoke to all of them. He showed them the truth of Jesus through the Old Testament, and it took him a whole day to do so. Some began to be persuaded, while others did not care to believe. Verses 25 to 27. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in return, and I would heal them.
0: The groups began to leave the house, and they were debating as they left. Those that were beginning to be convinced, and were debating with those that were not convinced. They had left after the Holy Spirit had led Paul to use a strong verse, Isaiah 6, 9-10. These verses said that the Jewish people would not come to the truth of God. Rather, because of their deaf ears, blind eyes, and dull heart, they would reject His truth. If they would simply accept it, God would heal them. But Israel as a nation rejected their Messiah. Okay, how do we apply this? It's quite a vast difference to see and hear from perceiving and listening. The seeing and hearing is simply done on the surface. Perceiving and listening has an effect on the heart. This definitely applies to us today. If we don't listen and take in the word of God, we will not be saved. Jesus doesn't grandfather in children. Each one of us needs to make a decision to accept his gift or reject it. This is what all of Acts is about. His people are called to speak the truth of Christ, but each individual that hears must choose. The ones that have it are simply called to spread, spread the truth, Verses 28 to 29. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. When he had spoken these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves.
1: Paul told the Jews from his quoted verse before that the Gentiles would listen to the hope of Israel. They would accept the salvation of God. Paul had been faithful in trying to teach the Jews first, but they mostly rejected the salvation of God. This is when the Jews departed, having a fight amongst themselves. Verse 29, which we read, may not have been in the original manuscripts, but as one can see, it really doesn't affect the story much. Verse 30 and 31. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered.
0: Paul stayed in this place for at least two years. While he was there, he welcomed everyone that went to him. He also taught the gospel with all openness, no obstacles. He lived out the gospel despite being unjustly imprisoned. Now, why do we say at least two years? Well, the story ends here but it doesn't mention Paul's death. This probably means time caught up with Luke. The story is up to date from the time Luke was writing. The rest we know of Paul can be found by looking through his later letters. In the two years he was there, he probably wrote Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and possibly Hebrews. The author is not a hundred percent certain for that book. After these two years, he possibly went to Spain and taught for some other years. Tradition says Paul was killed by execution, by axe, by Nero at Rome. Paul endured to the very end. If you want more info, you can read the intro to Paul's letters, and we'll be getting it up on the podcast when we get to it. The intro will be on our website as well under resources. Luke wrote this book for many reasons, but one of the main reasons was to encourage the church to be faithful in every age to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. If one man made it this far, what about God's church full of God's people? What power the church has in the gospel? The power to save souls eternally and change hearts permanently to Jesus the Savior. What are you doing with this power?